Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm Teresa. And we are the co-authors of the book, Pass the Baton, Empowering All Music Students. Our goal is to share stories of educators who are passing the baton and empowering their music students. We want to help teachers create music lessons that transform students from passive consumers to vibrant creatives. Okay, well, welcome back. We are here today with Diane Nelson. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing Diane speak at the NAFME Eastern Division Conference back in the spring, and she was talking about project-based learning, which is uh, a topic that Catherine and I are both really interested in and, and excited to hear her perspectives on. So welcome, Diane. Thanks for being here. Um, Thanks for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your background, your current teaching role? Yeah. So I've been teaching in many different capacities for about 25 years. Um, I actually have a degree in biology and a degree in choral music education. And I kind of came to teaching in a roundabout way. I did my master's of arts in teaching, but I was pregnant. So didn't finish and didn't know you'd lose all your credits. So I ended up doing my master's twice at two different universities. And then um, I uh, taught preschool, taught kindergarten, taught in a Waldorf school for a while. And so I just have a really variety of, of training that brings me to this. And so I've been teaching at Talmadge Middle School in Independence, Oregon for about the last eight years. I also teach music pedagogy at Western Oregon University in their MAT program. So that's very cool. Yeah. Well, I know that, um, I guess we're going to start with, I know you've got a passion for project-based learning and maybe just for everybody, just to kind of start with a definition of what is project-based learning and, and how is it specifically different from just a project that you would do in your class? Sure. Sure. So the easiest way sometimes to talk about what something is, is to define what it is not. And so <laughs> I want to begin by saying that project-based learning is not your stereotypical group project where you learn to hate group projects right? Where you're the person who does all the work while other people just sort of coast along on your, on your efforts. It's not that, right? It is not um, a dessert project. Like there's, a, there's a, a group called PBL Works that describes them as dessert projects where it's the end cap or the capstone of the unit of learning that you've done. So, um, so it's like, if you were to you use like an avid world terminologies, where sometimes you make a one pager poster at the end of your unit to show what you've learned, it's not really that, but you could incorporate that learning activity into your unit if you wanted to. Um, and so a project-based learning is hands-on, it's collaborative. It teaches real world skills in real time. The unit is the vehicle for learning, not the end cap to show what you've learned. So um, it, it's, it's hard to define, but yet when you're in it, you're like, oh, that's what they're talking about, right? And so I, it's, it's something that happens over a longer period of time. Um, it requires a lot of scaffolding and from the teacher's perspective, so to speak, and planning. Um, it is something where they can solve a real world problem. If you've ever done any like action research or like a poster project for, as an adult in a grad, graduate school program, it's kind of like that really. But, but um, I don't want to say it, it's, it's changed to, to student language. Like we talk all the time about kid language versus academic language. So it, in a way, it's sort of like that um, action research project, but in kid language, uh -huh. so to speak. So 
I like that. One of my good friends is a fifth grade teacher who does a lot of PBL. And she says that PBL is like, it's like a ride at Disney world. You're immersed in it from the moment you get in line. Whereas like mm-hmm. a ride at the boardwalk, you wait in this really long line and then you go on a ride. Right. Well, yes, actually. And I, I read that in another one of my papers preparing for this, but it's, it is, it's, yeah. it's a really immersive experience. You add elements of student choice and it makes it really easy to differentiate based on the abilities of your students in your class. And I can, I'll talk a little bit more about that when I talk about this year's project as we get on into the thing. Awesome. Well, then let's, let's hear what does it look like in a music class? Okay. So as I've said, I think it's a, for me, it's been a combination of that dessert project at the end cap, but at the same time, there's stuff that goes on along the way. Right. And so some things that I've done, I've always wanted to do, I call them off the octavo units where we go beyond that sheet music that we're always working with. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the holistic, you know, constructive as approach that you're teaching the whole child and you're going to have kids in your, in your, I teach choir. I should say that I teach choir. That's my content more than anything else. And you're going to have kids that are there basically on the strength of your personality as a teacher, right? That's, they want to be in your class. And so that means they have to take choir, right? But maybe they don't, they're not great singers, but they're really good at learning. Right. And so um, I've done things like um, we do a protest song unit where we talk about what is a protest song and do we still need protest songs today? And, and, and we tie that in, of course, to the rep that we're singing because so many, there's so much, such a rich history of protest songs and, and civil war songs and civil rights songs and, you know, spirituals and all of that. Um, But we talk about what is a protest song and why are they necessary? And we read, I always like to put a lot of literacy into my project-based learning because um, our building is an avid demonstration school. And so anytime I can show, hey, look, here's my wicker, here's my critical thinking, here's my close reading technique, you know, um, even though reading music and it isn't of itself a critical reading exercise, um, most administrators don't see that. Right. Um, and so uh, I love to bring in like we reread the article from the Atlantic about where are the protest songs for these current struggles we're having or Questlove, who says we need new protest songs to go with what's going on. And then we debate that. Why? Why do we need them? Do we need them? Um, and so that was one I did. I've done one with composition. Composition is a great way that leads itself to project-based learning anytime, because if you think of all the steps that are involved in creating a composition, then that really is you know, we talk about the project-based unit, unit being the learning vehicle. I mean, you can't compose a song unless you understand what a quarter note is, uh-huh. right? And so you have to teach. And if you're using any kind of software, then you have to teach that as well, right? And so then you get all these great skills and you're just learning how to use technology. Um, and so I, I guess I'm not answering this well, but I am at the same time. Like, but really you're trying to take learning off the octopus. You're trying to say, oh, here's all the rep we're doing for our performance. What can I do to bring in all of these other standards. How can I create something? How can we respond to something? How can I show off what the kids are learning in a way that's not just standing in a formal line wearing our choir robes and performing once, uh, you know, once a quarter kind of a thing. And so that's kind of for me how I started doing it. It started coming about because I needed a really good sub plan and I'm not a fan of sit and watch this musical movie sub plan. You know, and I wanted kids actively continuing to learn about music and how, because music is such a rich part of our human culture, right? And in ways that are not just built that performance piece. So I love how you, you're clearly still performing as a choir and you're still right. doing that because the kids sign up for, for choir because they want to sing, or like you said, because they, <laughs> they enjoy being in your class, but right. 
at the same time, you're able to weave in all of these other musical elements into what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I think that's an important distinction. You're not getting rid of the choir aspect of things. You're just no. enhancing it with what you're doing. Right. Right. Well, it's like when we, you know, when, when kids push back on, why do we have to do warmups? So we talk about, well, would you, how many of you guys play sports? How many of you guys would just jump out and run on the field or go start running a mile without stretching first? Oh, that'd be dumb. Well, it's kind of the same thing, right? And I and one of the reasons why I love teaching middle school is they're at that age where you can reason with them and get them thinking on their own. So if you start saying, well, our instruments are our bodies, why wouldn't we want to warm them up? Oh, that makes so much sense, you know, and and then I don't get pushback anymore. And so if we're trying to talk about, hey, you have got to show emotion on this piece but they have no idea of the struggles that have come about from people like going, you know, going back to protest songs or going to folk songs. Like we did a whole thing where we wanted to create a modern definition of a folk song. Are folk songs still existing? Do we still, you know, and, and then you have to know what that came from and have to have some empathy, you know, and, and we talk about those social emotional learning, which is again, built in so beautifully into a music classroom. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much empathy are you going to have for the non-English speaking student in your class, if you've had to learn to perform a song in a, in a, in a language other than, than English, yeah. you know, so. That's a good point. So what kind of projects did you do this year? Did you do your protest? We actually, this year I did, and it was, um, let me just to kind of explain how, what we did. I started the year, all of my choirs were online. I be, had half the year where I had once a week, 40 minute class with each of my choirs. So I went, I've lost 87% of my teaching time. Right. And so what it came down to is the only thing I had left was project-based learning. That was, you know, when you, and one of the questions you had asked me to think about is what's the value of it? Well, that's literally all I had to do this year. And so I planned this whole scope and sequence from the whole year. Cause when you have a 40 minute class, let's be honest, by the time you take role and you get everybody in the, in the, in the online meeting, you have maybe 20, 25 minutes to actually teach a concept, which means you're going to teach maybe one concept, right? So one concept a week is not going to get you very far, you know? So I knew this going in and I planned this whole scope and sequence with where we would begin with music theory. And I actually started out with spy codes and I had them write coded messages because that's what, what is music, but a language that you decode that has unique symbols and that go with it. So we played with spy codes and then we learned, took that to music theory and learning how here's what all the, these symbols mean and how they have a duration and a purpose. And then we went to pitch and then we went to chord progression and then we went to melodic progression and then we went to song structure. And at the same time, we learned how to use note flight and how to notate and note flight learn and how to um, just kind of get ideas on paper. And then uh, we ended up composing songs. This is what we did. We made pop songs. I called it the pop song project. And where people are like, I hate pop songs. I said, fine, then write me a whatever. Write me a goth emo, screamo, <laughs> rock ballad. I don't care, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, but we talked about development path of lyrics and how to write poetry and how to get metaphor on the page. And, and, and then we ended up also with a little bit, originally I wanted the kids to record their own pop songs and take it to band lab and then create their own accompaniment for themselves. But they all went, no, we're not doing that. So, <laughs> so we had to like backpedal and end up just, we had, we did our pop songs and note flight. And then we just played with band lab a little bit at the end of the year. But the idea was at the end, 
um, these kids had an actual song. Like we scaffolded it, we stayed in the key of C because I'm like, why not make it easy for me? You know, I, I scaffolded it by, by giving them the chord structure and that whole four chord progression, you know, that's so popular everywhere. And then they just had to write things. So we looked at solfege, we looked at how these chords are built with these notes and how we're, how it's built on the scale degree. And so um, at the end, you know, the kids are like, oh, we haven't really done anything. I said, are you sure? And we listed all of the things they did and they all went, whoa, look at what we learned this year. That's pretty cool. You know, plus all the tech skills that go with it. Right. You know, so. Right. And then again, that was all I had was songwriting and composition because we couldn't really sing. Right. But you taught all of that through your projects. Right. That's really cool. Right. And. I mean, and this kind of leads to the next question I think Catherine was going to mention, but you know how that's giving them skills for the future, right? So. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and normally if we had a live class, the biggest piece of this, at least in my, in the music classroom is that whole idea of collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. So I tend, I really work hard to make them be in groups. What I tend to do is I have them choose a partner. So they see this one person they like. Most of the time, these projects take so long that sometimes those friendships fall apart and then come back together because it's middle school, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and then I randomize the partnerships so that they're usually in groups of four, four to five, if, if we have an odd number, but there's at least one person they chose in that group. Right. And so I, I, it has been, and then when they complain about it, I say, sorry, part of my job's to prepare you for life. And there will be times in your life where you don't like the people you have to work with. So figure it out now when you're 12, you know, <laughs> right. and you'll be better off in the future. And they're like, okay, fine. you know. And, um, but I still want to, I really wished I'd had the foresight or the thought to, to take my phone out and just videotape it because at the time my classroom was on the stage and it, and it opened up into the cafeteria. And this was when we did our remix project where they had to remix the current, any song they wanted. It could be a pop song. It could be a radio, it could be a nursery rhyme. Um, but they had to add classroom instruments and found objects and, and everybody had to play a role and they all had to agree on what the person's role was, whether it was a big role or a small role, but they all had to agree and they all had to play a part. Um, and so watching my, my choir of like 40, 45 kids all spread out in these groups actively working on, well, what if we did this? Well, what if we did that? What about this sound? Oh, that's a cool sound. And it was just this magical experience of this real world, honestly, collaboration where they're trying to different things and assigning parts for each other and getting along. So it's yeah. harder to do online, but you know, you know, yeah, yeah. especially. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, I don't know if there's, and would you to kind of talk more about the empowering students, like what specific, when you, when you scan that room, yeah, because it would be, it would be so fun to see that video. I know. (laughs) Um, I really wish I'd thought to take one. Yeah. But so you see them collaborating, like, I guess, is there any other ways you would describe like what you see them doing or, or how is it different from like a a more traditional lesson that you've done before in the past? I think what it comes down to is, is, is what's always surprising me is the people who become the leaders right? Sometimes the people who become the leaders of the group are not the people I would have picked to, or would have pegged as the leader, right? And so when it means they're taking ownership of the, of not just their own learning, but of running that group and keeping people on task. 
And so that's a really cool thing to see. And I think the more time experiences we give to students that way, the more we, the more we have people who aren't willing to just be bystanders, like they're willing to, to, to be up, you know, talk about things and step up for things. Um, the other thing that was really powerful is um, I call it the, I made this, you know, right. I mean, if you've ever had that sense of accomplishment where you've done a hard thing and you're looking at it, like I, I tell the kids when, especially this pop song project, we put them into PDFs and I said, you need to print that. I'm like, frame it. You know what I mean? You made that. Right. And it looks so nice when it's in note flight learn and it looks so professional. Right. And they just have this incredible sense of accomplishment. And that's what allows them to have the courage and the confidence to tackle the next hard thing that comes along, right? Or to advocate for themselves if they're in a group and they don't like what their group is doing. You know, I mean, I still remember there was a day where I had a kiddo, we were talking, we were literally having this critical thinking discussion of does, do we still need protest songs today? You know, and it was right during the whole Trump campaign and all of this and the build a wall. And I have a high percentage of Hispanic kids in my class. And there were several who were like literally were came to school afraid every day that they were going to go home and their parents would be gone. You know, so I had one little girl, she's um, African-American. And then I had another MAGA wearing, you know, kid. And, and my African-American goes like, we don't need protest songs because we need action. The protest songs aren't going to get anything done. They're just singing. We need action to go behind these songs. No, you know, singing is not going to solve our problems. And then the other guy was like, we don't need protest songs because America is great, you know? <laughs> and so we had this debate going between the two of them. And I had a student teacher with me. We're both, we're both kind of going, ah, what do we do here? You know, but it played out just so nicely that they each said what they needed to say, but they said it in a way that no one was angry. No one was fighting. They were simply learning how to, to stand up for their own opinions in a way that was respectful. And I think that's part of that whole lesson that these, if I had not done this project-based learning lesson, that would never happen. Right. And these are the kids that are going to go on and make policy for us in the future. Right. We, we want kids who are empowered enough to do the research and back up their thoughts. I always tell them when you're doing a critical thinking part of these projects, you are welcome. You're nothing. There's no wrong answers here, but you need to be willing to back up what you're saying. Uh-huh. Right. You have to have something to back that up with. So that's so powerful. Yeah. It is. And like to have kids, I mean, they're seventh grade, so they don't they don't see themselves as, you know, all these things and you're helped by these projects. You help them see my voice is important. I I have things worth saying, you know, I Mm -hmm. can do a hard thing. I can make music. I can't, and it helps them, you know, grow as individuals. I am, I am an empathetic individual, you know, like those really important things that maybe you wouldn't, like you said, you may not have gotten in a traditional uh, a lesson because we wouldn't have given them the opportunity to, to show that or right. help them see themselves as that. So that's awesome. Right. Yeah. It was, it was cool. It was a cool thing. So do you yeah. ever see them taking the things that you do in, in the various projects and experimenting with that more on their own outside of class? Uh, yes, actually the, um, the, on our pop song project, I had one kiddo who was just tag off the charts. And he did not want to write anything with lyrics because lyrics weren't his thing. But and but he wrote some incredibly complex music. 
like really like he's now like I want to do my own EP and I want to make this music and I want to see if I can get that all these easy you know it was like if, if you ever did the serious spa channel you know all of that kind of new it was a lot like that but it was some cool stuff and I mean he did things with no flight learn I didn't even know you could do with no flight learn. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I was like, but that's part of the beauty of these, the differentiation of this, right? You know, I have kids that where I have to literally help them along at every step. Do you want your song to go up? Do you want the pitch to go down? Do you want to try, you know, and then I have kids who will write me four pages in uh, just super complex stuff that mm -hmm. I want to listen to as an adult in the background as I'm working on my things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so, and then I just had, I just was invited back to um, graduation at the high school. Cause we were a very small district, one high school, one middle school. And some of my favorite kids were now seniors and graduating. And so they wanted me to come be an honorary parent at their graduation. Oh. And, and one of my students, um, actually is going on to, she got into Berkeley music college of music, but she didn't, she chose to go to Loyola, I think, but she said, I, my compositions got me into Berkeley. And I learned that because you gave me these opportunities back when I was 13 and 14 to wow. do my own music in my own way, you know, yeah, and that's... you gave me these skills. And I thought, Whoa, <laughs> yay. <laughs> you, yeah, know? <laughs> you know I mean? And I mean, it also, to, oh, to the point that her mom, like her mom was like, wait, wait, you're the music teacher. You're why she's here. You're Aww. why she's going to college in music. You're why she got the scholarship. And I hadn't talked to this parent for four years, you know? Yeah. So anyway, sorry. That just, no, that just, that just goes to the relationships that you build too. I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that the project-based learning um, really kind of gives you a much more insight on your students and, well, you know, well, and it creates that safe space. You know, one of the questions you asked, what are the benefits of project-based learning? Anytime you can practice that growth mindset and failing in a safe space, right? You know, then you're a better, you're better off afterwards, right? Then failure is not a big deal. Like I always tell kids, what's going to worse going to happen? We're going to crash and burn. Then we'll reevaluate and we'll try something different, right? What's, what's the big deal, you know? So, yeah, but and such an important skill that right? a lot of people struggle with. Right. Adults and students alike. Right. That whole regrouping, call it grit, call it bounce back ability. But those are all the, I mean, we talk about real world skills and yes, there's real world skills and learning technology and collaborating and, and problem solving and decision-making. Those are the things that, that make us good humans. And, and that really is the heart of those project-based learning. Mm -hmm. It isn't necessarily academic learning along the way. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so what advice would you give a teacher who wants to start incorporating some project-based learning into their music classes? Okay, um, I think the first thing is you, you need to know how to write a unit. Like, what is your end goal? Like, what do you want students to learn? And, and you, so you, I, I tell, um, when I teach this, I say, look at your standards, look at your repertoire. What could you draw from or what's missing that maybe you want to add? For me, I wanted to add more composition because I wasn't doing that. So that was one of my thing takeaways. So you need to know how to write a unit and that, which means you need to understand formative assessment versus summative assessment and what that looks like and what that's going to look like for you. Cause everybody's a little different, whether you're paperless or not. Mm -hmm. um, and then you need to know your students, where are you going to need to some differentiation and what's that going to look like? And sometimes this evolves naturally throughout because this takes time and, and the, the unit is the learning vehicle that you can, you'll, you'll know where you need to change things. And it's perfectly fine if you do, because you're the one in charge, right? You know? <laughs> um, and then um, I think it's really important that you pre-plan and scaffold. 
right? You need to be scaffolding along the way. So when I did my pop song project, for instance, I had them do milestone assessments. Okay, from milestone one, what do you, what do you think your lyrics are going to be about? And it was just that. What do you want to, what are some ideas you had for some lyrics, you know, and some metaphors? Um, milestone two was let's get a melody for your chorus, you know, or maybe that'll end up being your verse. Who knows? But let's get an eight bar melody written down, you know, in treble clef. Um, and then it was, well, how do we make that fit our chords? And, you know, you know, kind of a thing. And so it's a lot of ways so that it isn't just write me up a 16 measure pop song with a verse and a chorus. And if you want to do a, a better, a bigger grade, you know, we were, we're standards-based. So a three was, you know, verse and a chorus, but if you wanted a four, do a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know, you have to then tell them what those are things are and make sure they understand what those things are, right? We use a lot of vocabulary a lot of times in our classroom, but our kids don't really know what we're saying. We use these words so easily that it's worth checking in. Do you know what critical thinking is? <laughs> you know, do you know what I'm talking about here? You know, because <laughs> we think they know. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. No, I don't know. You know, it becomes like that. And so I think many small milestones, um, many, a, a, a lot of formative assessments before you get to that final summative assessment, which would then be the presentation the, the, of whatever they've created, right? Because um, a big part of PBL is some kind of public whether that's public in your classroom or public on a wider scale presentation to show what you've learned, right? And so you need to have a clear idea of what will success in this project look like, mm. right? And so, and then, then you go back and make sure you've scaffolded it appropriately. Like if you want them to compose a pop song, you better make sure they understand what a quarter note is and what the duration is. And, and I found that I needed to go and teach them what a melodic progression was. It's, you know, skip steps, least repeats, because I had people writing songs that nobody could sing, you know, <laughs> I'm like, do you really, do you know what you wrote here? Yes. It sounds cool, but there's no human that's going to be able to sing this, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that some of that is what you will learn along the way, but that's also one of the beauties of the fact that it takes a, a, a amount of time is that you have time then to reteach or reframe your own thinking as the teacher. Right. And so. I think you shared too, that as you do it year after year, or you do it a couple of times, you learn even more yourself of right. slow down here, speed up here, you know, right. and so, you know, we as musicians and, and teachers, we always want to get a home run the first time through with our big project we've made over the summer, but it just doesn't work like that. Right. Like you right. do it one time and it's not, you've put in all the plan you can. And then the next year though, or when you do it again, you've, you learn, you edit, you fix, right. revise. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, and again, if the whole point of project-based learning is to mimic life, that's kind of how life works too, yeah. right? <laughs> so it's okay to say, oh, you know, I really messed that up. Sorry, we're, we're going to change that. And yeah. I think anytime you as an adult can model apology, yeah. you know, or, you, you know, maybe that's too formal, but the idea is if you can say, oh, I screwed that up. Oh, well, let's hear Let's fix it. Sorry. That wasn't really fair of me to ask you to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, then again, we're modeling a really, you know, I call them be good human behaviors, yeah. right. That we want our students to be good humans. Yeah. Right. So, well, and I'm sure the projects also differ just based on the kids in front of you, right. right. You're never right. going to have two classes that are exactly the same. We, no. we know that 100%. Right. So as you were talking about that scaffolding and differentiation, that's going to happen naturally, I would imagine. Yeah, it really does. It does. So I had kids that had no problem writing a pop song and I had kids that struggled. Yeah. So. 
And you've uh, helped you you've helped people out by creating a wakelet where people can kind of yes. go to and yeah. so we'll make sure we put that in our description. But you've already kind of compiled right. things, right? For so us. yeah, the wakelet it's it's actually what I presented at NAFME, so which you know at the Eastern Conference, and so it's it talks about how to write a unit. It gives my favorite unit plan from Edutopia. It's by Finley. It talks about what is project-based learning. Um, and then I actually include artifacts from my protest song unit in there. And, and as well as, I'm a big fan of single point rubrics. So I give you a couple of single point rubrics in there. I gave an example of like a KWL chart in case you've not used that. That's a great way to start this whole thing. What do you know about protest songs? What do you wanna know? Or, you know, it's a great way to see what do kids know? Maybe they know nothing. Maybe they know way more than you think, uh -huh. right? And that also then will shift your instruction as you go through the project. You know, um, and so I just some examples of that, you know, we wrote uh, rounds and cannons and I gave an example of the one we wrote in class and we modeled it, it makes a great little warm up. We called it obviously, you know, because <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, it's things that were funny to middle schoolers. So it's like never shower with a cat. It won't end well. <laughs> you know, you know, and so we took that idea and wrote these little different things that became warm ups and partner songs that we used as warm ups, but they're canons and partner songs because that's what we were writing was canons and partner songs. So that's perfect. Well, so you mentioned that this year was very different in your, <laughs> in your choir experience. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you did differently this year or something you tried new that you're going to carry with you into future years? I would say the first one is I really want to see how I can have a paperless classroom because I'm kind of digging the whole paperless classroom. I've never enjoyed, <laughs> never enjoyed all those little, you know, exit ticket papers, this and that and the other. So I'd love to figure out how I can have a paperless classroom. But, but I think for me, the biggest takeaway was when I lost everything that was centered around performance, all I had left was the project-based learning that I, that was so important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I love, I just really cemented my desire to keep coming up with these projects. You know, like one of the thoughts I had, like, wouldn't it be cool to do like a music history documentary, right? Where maybe you study, where did rap come from? And you go back to the African tribes, man of words who had the most respect in the tribe because he kept the oral history. And then you could talk about why do we have an oral history? Why is history important? Why do we need to keep learning, you know, keep these lessons close to our hearts? And how does that affect the music and how the evolution of music today? I think that'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Whether that turned into a poster project or a documentary or filming, you know, it could be that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it just, it just really cemented my goal to keep these in my program. You know, um, we, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, I'm on the Oregon Music Educators District Board for my area. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of debate right now about the uh, culture of competition that exists in Oregon for in the choral world and how we'd like to change that, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I think that project-based learning and keeping these projects, these off the octavo projects, that can be part of the, the vehicle in a sense mm -hmm. to show, look, look at all this incredible learning we're doing where nothing has to do with getting a good score at state competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. I've, I've had some other groups talking about that idea of, of trying to create something other than just that festival or competition where you can showcase the really cool things groups are doing. Right. So yeah. Well, when we, if we want our music education to stay relevant mm -hmm. and, and to say, have kids stay excited. I mean, kids are so much more savvy today and they are, I don't want to say they get bored easily, but they get, they, they move on. I mean, they're done. And I want something new. So the only, we have to grow with that. Yeah. So, yeah. 
That's that's yeah. really great. Hmm. This is, I always get so excited during these interviews with the <laughs> ideas as things just start spinning. So, right. Right. So, yeah. So, that's the thing. So, like, I'm actually took what we, you know, we played with Band Lab a little bit this year. And I went to my administrator and said, look, we need a class in our building for all the kids that love music because we have a lot, but don't want to ever perform. And so now I'm teaching two sections of music production in the fall, which means I have to learn how to teach music production, but you know, here, I mean, but it's things like that. I mean, when we're, we just, I mean, what is, we have to, you know, whenever we talk about how do you put music at, you know, designing units, you have to know how to design a unit, right? You need to know what is your end goal? What is, what do you want kids to learn? Right. I, I, I'm a big fan of the whole backwards design cross idea, you know? So if, if we want to take this, what do we, what experience do we want kids to have in our classrooms? Right. Do we want them to learn some songs they're never going to sing again that are fancy and free for on a list somewhere? Or do we want them to walk away with really loving music and feeling like they understand the language of music and can speak it, uh, maybe not fluently, but speak it with some degree of, of skill? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's so much, you know, exactly what Catherine and I talk about. Just that idea of like a lifelong lover and learner of music, mm-hmm. right? That right. It's, it's part of them. Right. Yeah. And it's exciting to think that we, we have the power to help that, you know, we, we are the harbingers of change, so to speak. Right. Yeah. 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 Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, How would people contact you if they wanted to see more or just stay in touch with you? Well, um, you can reach me by email. It's uh, Diane K. Nelson, D-I-A-N-N-E or two Ns Mm -hmm. or you'll get somebody else and they won't have a clue what you're talking about. So (laughs) D-I-A-N-N-E-K, letter K, Nelson at Gmail. That's a good way to reach me. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I'm fine if you want to just be like, hey, I saw your thing and let's be friends. (laughs) You know, know, that's a good way to reach me. Um, You can also, I'm like, I, Central School District 13J. You can, I think I'm on a website somewhere there if you wanted to, to go through the school pathways that works too. Um, but but my, my big thing is we're better teachers when we collaborate with each other, right? I mean, if, if we're talking about project-based learning, a huge part of that is called the collaboration piece, right? Mm-hmm. So why not collaborate and create things together? You know, if I've created something that's going to help you or inspire you, then I'm happy to share that because we're better teachers in the long run. So, yep. We completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> we are better together, especially when we are you know, trying new things and taking those risks. Let's, you know, let's have people there to support us. Right. Right. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you subscribe below. And follow us on social media. I'm at Musical Teresa. I'm Singing Finch One. And you can follow the hashtag Pass the Baton Book.